Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into the Victory Friday edition, the August the 23rd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, preseason game number three is in the books, and really, our last look at the starters is now in the books. Miami wins on the back of a strong defensive showing, more stout special teams, and a young quarterback comes off the bench to save the day. We'll debate the quarterback battle, go position by position, recap the preseason and the future of the team, as well as hand out some game balls, all of that and more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. We are a top 200 show on Apple Podcast in the sports category. Let's keep that going. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, often imitated, never duplicated, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at Locked On Fins, and of course, LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the game recap with all the video clips and breakdowns in that piece up live right now. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast with Vinny Iyer. Vinny gives you the edge both on draft day and throughout the season. So check out Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. That's another Miami Dolphins. And so this game between the Jaguars and Dolphins was supposed to come down to a dress rehearsal of sorts in a league that no longer believes in the dress rehearsal, but we did get a look at the Jacksonville first team for the first time this season, and that included Nick Foles, who the Dolphins mostly handled in this game despite one touchdown drive. We saw Josh Allen, their star defensive end, cause havoc for the right side of the Dolphins' offensive line. But Miami's starters played plenty of time into the third quarter on defense as well as Ryan Fitzpatrick and the first-team offense coming back out onto the field for that first drive of the third quarter. But the Dolphins still, even though they did play the starters, had plenty of guys that did not suit up in this game. Laramie Tunzel was the only coach's decision to sit out the game. They sat him down. Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Rashad Jones, TJ McDonald, Walt Akins, Andrew Van Ginkle, Raekwon McMillan, Kiko Alonso, Chase Allen, and Vince Taylor. That is not only a bunch of guys that are going to play a bunch of snaps come Sunday. That's a lot of starters and firepower both for your offense and defense. And still, the Dolphins look like the better team in this game. Total stats for the game, Dolphins had 271 yards to the Jaguars 244. A lot of the Jaguars yardage came late in that game. Almost half of their 67 rushing yards did come in that fourth quarter. The Dolphins outrushed them as well with 89 yards, 177 passing yards for Miami, 182 for Jacksonville. The Dolphins committed nine fouls for 102 yards down from last week. The Jaguars had 12 for 90 yards. Miami was six out of 14 on third down or fourth down, a big jump from last week. Jacksonville was one for 11, and Miami on defense on third and fourth down, going back two weeks now, has allowed just six of 27 conversions. 88% of the time, they're getting off the field on third and fourth down. Miami only surrendered one sack. They had three of their own, and they outpossessed the ball 
for 32 minutes, 32 seconds, compared to Jacksonville's 27 and 28. So this game came down to one big focus. Of course, the defense played well. The offense was a disaster, but we have to start at the quarterback position, and that's where this battle begins. And it was a slow start right away for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had a pretty easy third down and 10 out route. I wouldn't say easy, but he had it open as Preston Williams came uncovered, and he overthrew him. There was another play later in the first half where Preston Williams had a beautiful release and stack on Jalen Ramsey where he won with the inside release put Ramsey right on his back and created tons of separation downfield with no safety help and Fitzpatrick just woefully underthrew the ball he ended the preseason Fitzpatrick did with a 41.1 passer rating completing only 7 of 22 passes through 43 yards and no touchdowns and no picks and that was before the second half touchdown drive that he engineered where he did have a nice series completing a little screen pass to Mark Walton against a heavy jailbreak blitz but then Josh Rosen came onto the field and everything seemed to change for the Dolphins from that point there was more energy in the stadium the offensive huddle looked like a little bit more buzzy and Rosen just made plays off script and really helped mitigate this offensive line that's been bad all season long all preseason long I should say and that's going to be what this Dolphins offense has to do if it wants to have any success. They're going to try to find ways to run the ball, get themselves into advantageous down and distances. And then if Josh Rosen can play on script and keep them on schedule, his ability to go off script with those smooth feet and the ability to climb the pocket and reset and keep the ball high and tight and not lose it and get loose with it. We saw that a couple times from Josh Rosen where he really got out of pressure and got out of these compromised pockets and made big plays down the field. That was really what got the offense going. And he did miss a couple of these layups, so to speak, these scheduled plays that you just have to hit in this league. Those are non-negotiables for a lot of guys. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's missing those two. Fitzpatrick's not matching his off-script prowess. And there's just clearly more production coming from Josh Rosen right now. On his 13 drives, the Dolphins have 36 points. On Ryan Fitzpatrick's 14 drives, they have 15 points. And look, I think that Rosen is going to get killed by the Ravens in week number one, but he has earned this job. He's earned the right to go out there with his teammates in the first game, get his first career opening day start, and play the entire gauntlet 16-game schedule if he can stay healthy. That's just where we've come from the last three weeks when Josh Rosen was so far behind. And by yours truly, I told you guys, this dude is not ready to compete for a starting job. I even said the battle was over back in July because Fitzpatrick was so much further ahead of Josh Rosen but the positive side here is even though I don't believe Josh Rosen's there yet and he has some areas of his game that he can stand to really clean up in the timing aspect the accuracy aspect and just getting his mechanics consistently good because tonight we saw some mechanics that looked very sharp for instance there was one rollout play where he had to flip his hips open and drive the ball off of his back foot and he did a great job of doing that if he can continue to make those plays consistently, hit the layups, then you really believe in his growth because right now, where he was three weeks ago and the player he is today is a different guy. So if you continue that trajectory, allow him to get out there on the field on Sundays and he keeps that trajectory and that progress up, you might have an answer come December. And then, as we'll talk about later, this war chest of draft picks can fix your damn roster and you can be a good team in 2020. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I do think that Rosen really showed what he was made of the last few weeks, and he earned the right to start the game against the Ravens week number one. 
All right, we're going to come back on the other side and talk about the rest of this football team because as much as we want to make it all about the quarterback, the fact is there are more players on this roster than just Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll do that next, but first, are you like me, working all night long with the wife out of the house and no ability to make your own dinner? Well, the best way you can get dinner brought to you is with DoorDash. While you're busy crushing it at life, crushing it at work, and that laser-focused mentality cannot come off of your job, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't eat. DoorDash can help you get your next meal from your favorite restaurant in minutes. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city and ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you might find a new favorite one too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, eh? Order your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and even the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code Locked On. Don't forget, that's promo code Locked On for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. You know how you're just conditioned to certain sounds or thoughts or memories, whatever it might be? This song conditions me just to be super happy because we're talking about Miami Dolphins victories. And that's what we have here tonight. 22 consecutive points for the Dolphins after that first half touchdown where Bobby McCain got beat on a little two-way go from D.D. Westbrook. A good concept by the Jaguars offense to put him in some peril to force him to defend the inside route. But at the end of the day, McCain has to recognize that they're running a flood concept and bringing bodies back across him to take advantage of the two-man stack with he and Xavier Howard taking the flat. McCain goes over the top. He didn't get there fast enough. It was the one knock I had on McCain this preseason who did leave that game with an injury, a bad-looking shoulder injury, but it sounds like he's going to be okay. He was checked out and medically cleared. He did not return to the game, but it sounds like Bobby McCain will be okay, and that's a big, big get-back because this depth at that safety position is really really hurting even when you get Jones and McDonald back so McCain the team's really only single high safety right now is back and ready to go he's had a nice preseason but we're going to pick things back up on the offensive side and talk about the running backs in this game as Kalen Balazs started Kenyon Drake is no longer in the walking boot by the way so his progress for week one sounds pretty good although I remain skeptical on that but neither of those guys were the star of the night as Mark Walton Mark Walton, I'm going to leave that one in for you guys for a little carrot because I do that sometimes in the podcast, have to go back and re-record. We'll leave it in this one. But Mark Walton and Patrick Laird both showed aptitude in all three phases of the game. Elusive runners, adept in pass protection, very capable pass catchers. And the thing I like most about Patrick Laird is his patience and vision and his ability to press the hole and condense things down and then bounce it at the right time or to go ahead and bang it up into the hole. Like the touchdown run that he had, we saw him really get physical on that run and take that thing right downhill into the end zone. He had a nice run off the left edge as well, bouncing things outside. He's now got over 100 yards in the preseason. Patrick Laird is going to make this football team as the fourth back behind Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj, and Mark Walton. 
Now, I also thought Chandler Cox had a good game as well. So he had one of the blocks of the night where he basically took out four Jacksonville Jaguars. He continues to do his thing. He is playing a lot of football. He's going to be on the field for probably a quarter of the Dolphins' offensive snaps this year. The other positions that didn't play as well, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line. We start with the wideouts. I thought William shined even though he had two targets and no catches because if his quarterback puts the ball on target, he's going to wind up with about 80 yards and a touchdown catch in this game. That stack on Jalen Ramsey. And when I talk about that, it's about putting the defensive back on your nameplate on the back of your shirt because then you can go two different directions. You can come back to the football. It's probably going to interfere with you. That's what you want to do. You want to stack the DB. And doing that on Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey with a clean release, no less, is very impressive. He did that, but Fitzpatrick missed both the throws. Isaiah Ford did really well to keep working on that broken play by Josh Rosen where he extended and threw a ball down the field. I think that Isaiah Ford is the sixth receiver on this team. His fate just depends on how many bodies the Dolphins will keep at the position. Kenny Stills had a 14-yard catch. He came out after the game and said that the music is just the music, so that's good to hear that he and Brian Flores are on the same page. My only note there for him is that the rest of the receivers did not do a whole lot. Trenton Irwin had a catch, but the group was pretty quiet with just a 177 passing yards for the Dolphins on this night. But the position group that did get more receiving yards was the tight ends. And Mike Kosicki, you guys heard me talk about him on the preview show. You've heard me talk about him for the last couple of weeks. I've been impressed with Mike Kosicki for a couple of reasons. One, he's playing stronger. He's getting through contact. He actually had a route today into the flat where he threw the defender off of him. When have we ever seen that type of physicality and aggressiveness from Mike Kosicki? And then he gets man coverage against a linebacker in the slot. And hello, that's where you want him to be. Hello, you play to win the game. And Gasicki won that game. He got himself into the slot against that linebacker. He won with speed and then made a nice spinning catch to pull that thing in. I think he knocked his wind out, but he looked okay after all that happened. But he just looks faster, stronger, more confident, playing at a different speed. And that's a great look for him. A guy who's consistently getting open right now in this new this new role that he has where he's playing slot inside splits and outside splits as an actual receiver and not being asked to come in line and block all the time. That job is Nick O'Leary's, although he had a big catch and run out the gate because of some very poor tackling, but he is definitely on this roster as well. Dwayne Allen, I don't know if he makes this football team right now. He was a disaster out there. He's been on and off injured all the time. And I, frankly, I would just go with O'Leary, Gasicki, and Smythe over him because Allen's been a disaster. He had a really, really bad crackback block on Josh Allen that ruined a drive on a third and three run play. Just looked really bad out there. I don't know what his deal is, but he does not look right so far. As far as not looking right, the offensive line takes the cake on that all day long. Laramie Tunzel didn't play in this game, and the results went pretty much how you'd expect without Laramie Tunzel. This time, it was Zach Stirrup, who's been injured for a few weeks now. He gets his turn at left tackle after Jordan Mills, Jared Jones-Smith, and he fared as poorly as the others. He's just not suited to play that position. I don't think he's suited to play tackle in this league at all. And not playing right tackle very well right now is Jesse Davis. He got whipped by Josh Allen, who basically had a game of a lifetime in the preseason. It's looking more and more likely like Miami might have to go back into the free agent market or to the draft to find that right tackle to replace Jawan James after he left in free agency because Jesse Davis, I've got high hopes for him as far as being like a just starter level player, but he's not been that so far. Going to the inside, the rookie guards, these guys are hell-bent on developing Michael Dieter and Shaq Calhoun. It's just not going well right now, and Dieter played good last week. Calhoun was eh, but these guys are both an issue 
on the whole, as far as everything is considered the entire training camp and preseason so far, they both get turned around quickly so many times where they lunge out over their skates or over their skis rather and have to go back and find their man. They also pass off poorly. There's communication issues where they're not picking up free rushers. And you wonder how much of that is Dan Kilgore's job because he's the veteran, he's the center, and Josh Rosen's out there incorrectly IDing linebackers like you guys might have heard tonight where he called 59, then 49, then came back to 59. Well, the interior offensive line and just the line in general is not communicating right now. And that's a reason why I think Chris Reed should get out there to give them less inexperience on the line. And frankly, Chris Reed, he's the same boat as Dieter and Calhoun because he's young. He's in his mid-20s. If you develop him, he could be a starter long-term going forward. And I get playing him at backup center, but right now he's one of your five best. I think you have to get him in there. The backups on the line, I thought Prince had a pretty rough game, had that penalty on a successful two-point play, and just the entire depth of this offensive line, there's not much to write home about it. There's not much to write home in the starting unit. It's going to be a group that really kind of really puts a, a crutch on this team all season long. Now, the group that everyone thought was going to give this defense problems, the defensive line, has been awesome, and Charles Harris has been at the forefront of that. He is not He's not a fluke by any stretch, and I get so annoyed because it's so convenient for people to say, well, he's dominating backups, or he's doing it in the preseason. Do it once the games start to count. It's like they don't just show up in the season and start having success. You have to put pieces together, and Harris has done that all camp long. He had a good camp. He had a great scrimmage. He had an eh first preseason game, but these last two games, he's been dominant, and he beat up on Donovan Smith last week. He beat Cam Robinson in this game. He's converting speed to power. He's got heavy, active hands. He's using those hands as weapons. He has multiple counter moves, a spin, he can find the guy at the top of the drop and then work back upfield to make that play. He's stacking and shedding in the two-gap mentality against the run. Charles Harris has been terrific. Anything else is a lie. That's, that's all there is to it. Devon Godshaw is as consistent as anybody. Speaking of terrific, he just always wins that low man battle. He fights off double teams and he disengages as well as anybody on this team. I thought Christian Wilkins was pretty quiet, although he got into the backfield a couple of times. And to round out this defensive line review, Nate Orchard had his fourth sack of the preseason, his third and fourth sack, I should say, two more. He's lining up all over the defensive line. He'll condense down inside in that radar package, which could be called the amoeba package, where you have guys standing up in two-point stance and the quarterback doesn't know where the rush is coming from. He gets inside on those, but he also rushes off the left end and wins a lot of those one-on-one -on -one matchups. He's made this team. Jonathan Ledbetter has also made this team. He is an absolute scheme fit. He played some five technique through most of camp so far, but tonight he played the three technique position and did very well in that. He's a smart player, has the eye discipline, and of course the heavy hands we've discussed many, many times on this podcast, something that Patrick Graham has discussed. Jonathan Ledbetter has that. Dwayne Hendricks flashed in the fourth quarter, and so did Tyrone Holmes. Both those guys look pretty good against backups. All right, we're going to take our last break here and come back on the other side, get to the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the safeties, hand out some game balls, and I'll recap the preseason with way too much optimism for you guys. All of that next, Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am at Wingfield NFL, and the show is at Locked On Fins. Remember when I jinxed the team last week talking about how they had that game on lock and they were going to go undefeated? If it wasn't for that, this Dolphins team would be 3-0 right now in the exhibition. 
and really kind of putting it to a couple of teams here now, especially in this one, as they win 22-7 over the Jacksonville Jaguars on a strong, strong defensive effort from pretty much the entire team. And at linebacker, to continue the position-by-position position recap here, Sam Egwavon had a missed tackle on Leonard Fournette that made you think, ah, maybe he's going to kind of fall by the wayside now. But then he came right back and made some really good-looking plays in coverage against the run off the edge inside. And he had that play that was flagged as an encroachment penalty where he read the snap on a third down and one like Troy Polamalu and came flying up the middle of the offensive line, came through untouched, blew the play up in the backfield, forced the ball loose, but they blew the play dead even though he was clearly onside. A horrible call, a phenomenal play. Egwavon is a find. And fellow linebacker Jerome Baker, we already know about him, but he just looks the part every single game. Inside, outside skill set, speed, change of directions. He allows Miami to do a lot of different things because of his versatility. There's lots of situations where he comes down into the A gap, into the B gap, off the edge, and then bells out into coverage. He'll loop on a stunt. He'll rush the passer. Just a damn good looking player in Jerome Baker. Now, Trey Watson and Terrell Hanks had a great chance tonight. I thought they capitalized on that, and I would be very surprised if Kiko Alonso was still here in a couple of weeks when they make roster cutdowns because Watson and Hanks belong on this roster over Kiko Alonso. At cornerback, Eric Rowe looks looks damn good. Let's be honest about it. If he can stay healthy, he's sticky in coverage, he's physical, and he competes at the line of scrimmage, at the top of the route, and at the catch point. He had the interception tonight that looked fantastic, and he was regularly in phase in pass coverage. Xavier Howard was pretty quiet on the other side, and that's why Rowe got tested so much, but that's going to be the case all year long for Howard. You just don't try that guy. And Minka Fitzpatrick, he played safety again because Jones and McDonald were down, but he had a big bounce back night. It was fantastic in coverage, made lots of plays against the running game, and he had that huge, huge stick on the crossing pattern. I forget the receiver, but he blew up the receiver and dislodged the ball in a fantastic hit. Big night from Mika Fitzpatrick. Cornell Armstrong, Chris Lamons, to me, stood out as the defensive back backups because of their work on special teams. They both had awesome tackles as gunners on the punt team. And then Chris Lamons forced a fumble that got overturned on kickoff. And I think both of those guys are going to make this team as well as Jamal Wiltz, who had another great open field tackle to prevent a first down on third down. And he looks pretty good when he pulls that trigger and comes out of zone coverage or comes off of his man to make an open field tackle like that. I just think that he has the skills that they're going to like in this defense. And he looks to really know what he's doing because he's playing so fast. So those are the position-by-position position reviews. Let's hand out some game balls real quick before I recap the preseason. I'm going to give one to Josh Rosen. Came off the bench and, yeah, the offense did score the previous drive, but it was pretty quiet all night long. Josh Rosen comes in off the bench, 99-yard touchdown run. Good, strong cadence, good command of the huddle, good accurate throws, good processing for the most part. Good on you, Josh Rosen. Hope he gets the start week one after what we've seen. Nate Orchard, two sacks. He's been very, very consistent getting pressure on the quarterback, as has Charles Harris. He gets his second straight game ball, putting together back-to-back games. Eric Rowe gets a game ball, and so does Minka Fitzpatrick for playing really big and playing really well in a position that he thinks he's not suited for, even though I think he is. So that's the game. That's pretty much the preseason. We're going to do it all again next week on the fourth game. But of course, it won't be as much bravado in that game with all the backups playing. But we still go on here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And you guys might have caught a little bit of an optimism stretch or span of tweets from me late as the game got older into the night. And the reason for that is because I'm looking at all these guys 
that I saw day one of camp play well or day two, whatever, then continue that progress, put it into games. And now here we are tonight and the same guys are making plays. And it has me so encouraged for multiple reasons. And I'll start with the obvious one. I think we have five really good looking blue chip players who are 26 years or younger. Laramie Tunzel, Xavier Howard, both no questionable elite players. Jerome Baker, we all think is going to get there. Minka Fitzpatrick for my money still is that. And I think Christian Wilkins will be that very soon as well. And then you've got Charles Harris and Mike Gesicki, two more recent draft picks who, frankly, we'll talk about Chris Greer here in a second. If you turn them into positive picks, all of a sudden his draft class go from good to almost damn great. But the thing that that tells me about Harris and Gesicki is that the teaching aspect, the coaching aspect we harped on all offseason long is real. And these guys can develop and get back into roles that suit them. And they're going to play better football because they're better coached. If that happens and you continue to find guys like Mark Walton out there, Sam McGuavin from CFL, Preston Williams, Jonathan Ledbetter, Patrick Laird, undrafted free agents, Jamal Wiltz off a practice squad, Chandler Cox in the seventh round. You're finding guys that can contribute multiple snaps every single Sunday. They are part of your core development piece. And once you start to surround those guys with blue chip talents, like we have those five guys under 26 years old, and you make more good draft picks next year with 12 picks in your back pocket and a bunch of free agent cash to spend on the few remaining holes you have, like at left guard or right tackle or whatever it might be, then you're going to put together a competitive team that can not only win a division, but compete in January. Now, that's getting way out in front of ourselves here, but all these signs are encouraging and they all lead up to the idea that this team is on the right path and there's so many draft pundits and national media people that are saying, hey, if I could restart with a team right now, it would be the Dolphins because they're doing it the right way. They understand the comp formula. They know how to budget their own free agents and keep their own guys in-house. They're not going to go crazy and spend a bunch of money on the overvalued market that is free agency unless maybe you're plugging one or two very distinct needs like a left guard like Joe Tooney of the Patriots because you know he fits in your program. And I linked this article from back in, let's see, when was this? I wrote this five months ago back in March. It's called Stock with Draft Picks, The Fate of the Fins Falls on Chris Greer. And what I did was go over each of his last four years of draft work because we assume that's when he had control of the drafts or at least a major hand in it and basically came out to find out that he pretty much hits on half of his draft picks. So if you add six more players next year because of 12 picks and a lot of those picks coming very high in the draft, that's six more players to a roster we feel good about going forward. And if you can put a quarterback on that, if it's Josh Rosen, awesome. If it's not Josh Rosen and it's Jordan Love or Tua Tonga-Vailoa, then we have the defense, we have the coaching, we have the skill set, going to have to find an offensive line, but you have the right people in place to make this franchise not just competitive, not just 8-8, eight and eight, not just a once-in-a-while wild card 10-win team, but a team that can consistently overturn its roster, find gems, keep low-level guys in-house, extend the contracts of those guys when it comes valuable to your team, and put together a team that can sustain success, win divisions, win playoff games, and hopefully one day win a Super Bowl. So that's my entire spiel. I hope you guys are with me on that. We got to be optimistic because to me, this preseason has been about great defense, which we've seen. I think that will carry over into the season. Offense going to be a struggle, but hey, the future I think in Miami is very bright, guys. Okay, and that is the end of my long, long Thursday night, Thursday day in general, I should say, 
And with that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. You guys, please be sure to tell a friend about the podcast. Keep pumping this thing out to more people. Help us to keep growing and keep doing it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast as well. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you on Sunday with a depth chart roster prediction episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, guys.